Hello and welcome to Manageable Conversations, the podcast where we speak to leaders across industry sectors. In each episode, we discover what helped them in their career, how they stay sharp, and their tips for managers to get the best from their teams. I'm Farley Thomas, the co-founder of Manageable. We hope this podcast inspires you to be a great leader by learning from others. To attract and retain talent, people want to feel like they're included in the conversation, that their input matters. So I look at it as, in order to get inclusion, the first thing you have to do is create transparency. That's Eric Gert, CEO of Blue Bay Asset Management, a part of Royal Bank of Canada's global asset management arm. Blue Bay is an active fixed income investment specialist operating on a global scale. In this episode, we explore how staying true to your core values might be an answer to avoiding imposter syndrome, how to embrace mistakes and adopt a growth mindset, and the risks and rewards of prioritizing autonomy over micromanagement. Eric, thank you so much for joining this manageable conversation with me today. Farley, it is my pleasure. I'm looking forward to the conversation. I'd like to kick off, Eric, if I may, focusing on you as a leader. How would you characterize your leadership, your style? I mean, I think it's an overused term of a servant leader, but I think that's a broad brush approach. But the two things I, when I think about this, one is first, I try to keep a sense of humility. And I think that's critical because ultimately our job is to create a platform for other people to succeed. And so our job is by creating this platform, when others feel they can thrive, you can attract and retain talent and you can get the most out of them. And the second piece of that, I think that they're interlinked with humility is understanding you are oftentimes not the smartest guy in the room. And so I'm blessed mm. that I can work with, I mean, incredibly talented individuals coming from all sorts of different places and backgrounds and so it's easy to come to that realization in this kind of environment, because it would be very difficult to be the smartest guy in the room in every circumstance. But keeping that in mind at all times mm-hmm. and understanding that ideas, approaches, other ways of managing aren't necessarily going to be the ones that you came to the table with, but oftentimes they're the things you take mm-hmm. away. I think that's probably key to my management style. Eric, I'm curious who or what? has influenced the way you lead and manage, which you seem to have a very crisp idea of. Yes, well, you know, Farley, you and I have uh, traded books and uh, titles before and read a lot, but I think it's that piece tends to be something that brings together the more abstract ideas that we picked up from other people and perhaps put it in a crisper light because there's usually a framework around it. But for you, and, and I know for me, I've been able and been privileged to work with a number of people over the years where every person brings a different way of managing and leading that I've been able to pick up bits and pieces of. But on top of that, understanding that it it really also has to be in line with my own strengths and my own beliefs. I think it was my mother, actually, that mentioned to me. It was back in the, probably in the 90s when I was first getting involved in managing other people. At the time, I think the Chainsaw L. Dunlaps and the really alpha male managers that were running around in the U.S. were all the rage. And I remember having a conversation with her. She oversaw a large uh, charity in the U.S. And at a conversation, I said, I just don't know if that's me. I don't know if that's the approach that I want to take to managing. And she said, the reason people have asked you 
is because there's certain innate qualities you have that they appreciate that they believe will be successful. So changing what's core to you, it'll create a sense of insincerity and probably increase the probability of some sort of imposter syndrome. I think those two elements, and then the third piece being the reading, you know, constantly reading, looking for ideas and taking what oftentimes comes to us as intuitive, but is put in a way that either has a good story that you can use with others to emphasize the point or helps clarify your own thinking. So your mother seems to have been a pretty astute read of you, Eric, and the qualities that she invited you to display authentically. If you think about her being constructively critical, or maybe the team around you feeling psychologically safe to offer up some advice to you, Eric, in terms of what you might need to learn or improve on, what do you think they'd come up with? Yes, well, it depends how long the uh, session's going to be, depending <laughs> on items they can come up with. I think one of the items that I've always struggled with is what I would call discernment. And when it's a discernment around my ability to actually shift things or change items and other items that won't be changed. So there's a certain level of positivity that comes with my background, especially as an American. We tend to have a a rah-rah view of the world where we assume we can get everything done. Well, there are certain things you can change and certain things you can't change. And exerting just as much energy on things that eventually you're not going to be able to change. And in those areas, you should just learn to adapt. Eric, in an earlier conversation, I was struck by something you termed inclusivity as an area of focus. And I'd I'd love for you to expand on that. What do you mean by that? And why does it seem really important to you? I mean, there are ethical reasons for it. And there are also business reasons for it. And I think when you can align the two of those things, I think it instantly rises to the top as a priority. And to me, working in London has been really the greatest experience of my life. I love working here. And one of the reasons I love it so much is that I have the opportunity and really the privilege of working people that have backgrounds and perspectives arranged like no other place. So to me, if I take the business element of this to attract and retain talent, people want to feel like they're included in the conversation, that their input matters. So I look at it as in order to get inclusion, the first thing you have to do is create transparency. Because if you think about old world management, old world management was the idea of keeping all the information to a small group of people and then issuing edicts to others. That's not inclusive management. And what you find is that by keeping that information in, every day thousands of decisions are made. And without the right information in the right context, oftentimes you may have the right intention, but you may get the wrong outcome. And so instead, by opening it up, the first thing it does is I think starts to align everybody's actions with the overarching strategy. Secondly, what it does is it allows a person to understand their role and how they fit into it. And by giving them enough information, they can make educated decisions and they feel included in what's going on because they can see the line of sight between what they're doing and the outcome we're trying to achieve. So that the first piece of this is, I would say, it would be uh, transparency. The second is what I'd call a growth mindset. One of the other things that oftentimes pushes people down and therefore they feel less included is that they feel if they add something, if it's not 100% correct, they'll be marginalized. And so a growth mindset is the idea that mistakes happen all the time. Most mistakes are not malicious and most mistakes are complex. 
So the idea is knowing you're going to make more mistakes, but trying to make different mistakes. And then when you make these things, try and learn from it in a very positive environment. So we've implemented a number of different processes that sit behind this to ensure that we're doing postmortems, to ensure that we don't have financial incentives that are pointed to conflict to create responsibility for a particular issue, and instead open things up so that we're learning from these mistakes, trying to improve. But the biggest benefit I've seen is it also allows individuals that may have felt on the edge to understand, I can raise my hand, I can say something, I won't be persecuted if it goes wrong. We'll learn from it, but we'll continue to move forward. Aside from this very important topic, Eric, what else is top of mind when you think about the organizational or cultural challenges you're ultimately responsible for identifying and hopefully solving? I mean, different problems come up every day. It's a little like that wheel, and it highlights something. You spin it, and there's going to be something. And most issues are people-related issues. There's strategy-related issues. There's client-related issues, just as the, the things I mentioned before. There's financial issues that are going to be existential that are coming at you from the outside. I mean, we're in a pretty challenging market today. But underpinning all of that, if you've got a good culture and you're able to respond to these things, you've got good foundation to build on, you can usually make it through those more challenging times. The thing, though, that if I step back for a second that I really try to identify and work on is making sure that both those that are reporting to myself and the several layers below are aligned and approaching those they're responsible for in a way that's creating that platform for others to succeed. Because it's one thing for me to talk about it, it's another to be able to go one or two layers down. And so the continual development of our professionals is incredibly important to me. Because I think in order to retain an employee, you have to think across three dimensions. You've got to think about recognition, which money is one aspect of it, but there's a number of other things around recognition that I think are just as important to people. It's do they feel like they're recognized for the work that they do? And that goes back to the transparency and growth mindset. But are they recognized? The second bit is, are they developing themselves? Most people want to continue to develop in their careers. And that's where training people and working with people to feel as though they are growing as a professional is important and giving them those tools. And then the third piece of it is autonomy. I mean, I don't know about you, but I personally don't like to be micromanaged If you look back in your career and say, what were the most rewarding moments? They were usually some sort of challenge that you overcame. What about the possibility of there being tension between individuals who want autonomy and space, as I think about it, versus the need for supervision, for oversight? And there are perspectives here, aren't there? Someone's micromanagement is somebody else's necessary oversight. I mean, that's an ongoing challenge. How do you get the balance right? And I would think if I default to one or the other, it's to give, because we have a fairly decent level of transparency and I've got good people around me, I would rather default and risk to doing less micromanagement and more allowance for people to kind of get on with things because it will become transparent if it's going the wrong way over a period of time. Now, we're in a highly, you know, we're in a, a very regulated environment. So therefore, there are a whole series of checks and balances. But as I said, people will make mistakes, but they'll also learn from them. 
if they feel like they've got that autonomy. And the more I can push out and the more those that are leading the other departments can do the same, I think the more fulfilling and more interesting place this will be to work. Being CEO is challenging in and of itself, and it's quite lonely at the top. But you're on top of that, clearly grappling with turmoil in the capital markets. What keeps you sane? What keeps you bouncing around as I think you do every day? <laughs> you know, what mechanisms help you cope? Stay sharp? Well, I think obviously you need to stay in decent physical shape. So making sure that exercise is not an option, but is mandatory to the job so that you can stay mentally and physically in a decent place, especially as you you get a little bit older, I think it's becoming critical. But like everything else, <laughs> you need to have started that many years ago. You can't just say, flip a switch. But I also look at it as allowing, sometimes we take a problem, we own it, and then we personalize it to the point where it gets wrapped up in our own persona. Instead of realizing these are business issues that have come up that need to be solved. I think that's one piece of it. The second is always understanding that my role as CEO, my role in the business, that's a piece of my life, but not all of my life. I've got a family. I have outside interests. I have things that help balance that because I found earlier in my career, especially, there were times where I was so wrapped up in building a career that I got that balance wrong. The last piece is I always look at what are the three, two or three most important areas to focus on. Because oftentimes what happens to you, especially the further up you move in your career, you've got disparate items from all over the place coming at you all the time. I always kind of filter it through, does this have something to do with clients? Does this have something to do with strategy? Or does this have something to do with culture? And if it's one of those three, they go to the top of the priority list. So other things may be urgent, but oftentimes someone else is better suited to deal with it. And so I think that helps filter out what could sometimes, especially in tricky markets, become almost overwhelming. That's fantastic, Eric. I'm really appreciative of you taking the time and make the connection between this conversation and culture. Thanks, Eric. My pleasure. Thanks a lot, Farley. If you enjoyed this manageable conversation, there are many other perspectives we offer our community of managers worldwide who coach and individuals from all walks of life who benefit from being coached. That's all from me. I'm Farley Thomas. Until next time.